Hello, witches and wanderers. My name is Missa. And my name is Katie, and welcome to the Baby Witch Podcast. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Missa, although it feels like uh, Mercury Retrograde is starting early this year. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is our, I don't know how many attempts to <laughs> record this episode um, tonight. <laughs> we have new microphones, but I think our podcast recording app must have updated as well um, since it's been so long since we have recorded an episode because our microphones are not working with the podcasting app. Yep. And we're going to figure that out. No worries. It should not affect distribution of the pod. Um but yeah, if the sound quality is off tonight, we just decided to record on our phones It because, you know, we're recording this on May 24th and we do want to try to get an episode out to you guys this month. So, yeah. Um, I also want to bring up another sound quality issue that has been going on this entire time and I don't know why I've never brought it up. Um, a, anytime our episodes are longer than like 45 minutes long, if you notice, I start talking over Katie and it's the app. It, for some reason, will record or save the audio file, and it will save mine a couple seconds faster than Katie's. So it sounds like I'm constantly talking over her. And then it'll be like a big, long pause after she speaks, even though I'm saying something and just podcasts won't recognize it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's annoying. We may just need to get a better recording app anyway. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't, I mean, I do, you know, interrupt Katie sometimes, but I'm not constantly just absolutely talking over her. Missa is a good friend and she does not talk over me all the time. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you, if you've noticed that and you just think like, wow, towards the end of these episodes, Missa just gets like really aggro. No, it's just the app. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how have you been other than that, Katie? I'm good. I uh, adopted, well, you're aware of this, but I haven't told the listeners. Um, Part of the reason why I've been a bit scattered and not as invested in the pod lately is that I adopted a new dog about two months ago, almost three months. Um, And she's lovely. She's very sweet, but she was a shelter dog who I adopted her specifically because um, she had a lot of, um, she was very timid and scared and she needed a lot of extra attention um, Missa, you actually encouraged me to adopt her for that reason because you thought that most people probably wouldn't adopt her. Um, but yeah, she's been a you know she wasn't leash trained and she was terrified of everything when I got her. So like the first month was just getting her to walk on a leash. Second month has been getting was getting her over her fear of everything, and now she's doing pretty good. She's adjusting pretty well. We're just working on you know, come when I say come. Don't jump all over me. Don't tackle me to wake me up. You know, basic dog stuff like that. So, but yeah, she's, she's taken a lot of my time since I've adopted her. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, But we love our listeners. We know we haven't been getting out episodes very regularly. We are really trying our best here. Um, But we, again, we have been having some tech issues, which has been frustrating. Um, So we're just, you know, waited until the last minute and we're going to record this episode and see how it turns out. Yeah. And we have recorded episodes just on our phones before. So it's not the best sound quality. We are aware of that, but it is also not, um, you know, it's an episode instead of giving you guys nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then this episode also, one of the reasons we wanted to get it out is because it is way overdue. Um, We got a listener request for this episode, like, a year ago, maybe, maybe more. Um, short, I think it was shortly after we did our tarot series last year. Um, I think that was last year. <laughs> was it? Mm-hmm. I don't know how long we've been doing this podcast for. Um, yeah, it was last year. It was about a, almost a year and a half ago, I think. But yeah. yeah. And a listener had written in and asked us to do an episode on Oracle decks. And at the time, I knew like nothing about Oracle decks. Um, And so we said, yes, absolutely. We would love to do this episode. Let us research it first. And I decided that I needed to get an Oracle deck. So I looked for some, 
and I found one and it was pre-ordered. It was uh, by the creator of one of my favorite tarot decks and it was supposed to get to me in like October and then because of COVID and uh, everything else, you know, production was delayed, shipping was delayed. So it took me a while to get the deck, to, to learn the deck. Um, so that's one of the reasons why this episode is so late, even though it was requested so long ago. Well, I do, in all fairness, there are quite a few episodes, especially mini-sodes. I feel like whenever we want to transition to doing an episode every two weeks again, we have like a series of mini-sodes we can do for like one of the episodes each month um, just to help us transition a bit. Um, but yeah, there are several episodes, episode requests. We're working on them. Things are just complicated right now. Um, and we do really value our listeners. And on that note, I do want to plug that we're doing a Q&A episode for our two-year anniversary episode. And we mentioned that last episode and nobody sent us Q&As. So, yeah, just we want to hear from you. If you have any questions, email us, um, babywitchpod at gmail.com or Possibly the best way to send your listener question would be to um, DM us on Instagram. We're at babywitchpod. Um, yeah. And I mean, I know we've gotten a few really great episodes in the past. So I'm not a good episode, a few really good questions in the past. So we may even reach out to you if you've asked us a good question and ask you if it's okay if we share it on the show. But yeah, no, we love hearing from our listeners and we take your suggestions seriously. And if you have any questions that you want to have answered on the podcast, uh, you know, reach out to us. Yeah, you can also DM us now on Twitter at Baby Witch Pod. I know I've been saying that for the last almost two years. And I just realized within the last couple of months that I never um, turned on DMs on Twitter. So if you've been trying to DM us on Twitter, but my DMs weren't open, I'm very sorry. They are open now. <laughs> yay. Yay for DMs. Um, but yeah, so we got this Oracle deck episode and due to us wanting to actually know what we're talking about and then just scheduling issues, we had initially talked about doing this episode like maybe in February, but you still haven't gotten your Oracle deck yet, Missa. So we, and I, we wanted to give you some time to work with it before we recorded the episode. So then it kind of got pushed back in the schedule to this month, but we're finally doing it. Um, however, you know, as we will discuss, maybe that's, uh, we have our outline a little bit different here, but maybe we should just jump right into Oracle decks. Um, but there's not really a whole lot about Oracle decks to take up an entire episode up. we both concurred on so we decided to just make this episode about divination and different forms of divination because there's lots of witchy divination forms and there's a lot you can do and you know i don't like much like oracle decks i don't think we can do an entire episode on pentacles um or not pentacles yeah pentacles um or pendulums pendulums i'm thinking pendulums <laughs> i had a very busy day at work i apologize i'm just saying keywords now um but yeah, there's a pendulums. Yeah, so I don't think we could record an entire episode on pendulums, but they are a very important and traditional form of divination and witchcraft. So I think they at least deserve a mention on the show. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so divination technically is a practice of seeking knowledge of the future through spirit <laughs> through supernatural means. Um, but with, as we know from our experiences with tarot, divination is also a way to communicate with the divine or your guides um, and also, you know, tap into your own intuition. Um, so I think we are going to go and just jump right into Oracle decks, Katie, if that's okay, since we kind of yeah. brought those up first. Yeah. Since we brought them up, um, let's do it. Okay. So Oracle decks, if you're not familiar with them, um, and again, I wasn't at all when someone said do Oracle decks, I was like, I don't even really like, I know that they exist, but I don't understand what they are. Um, so it's almost exactly the same as a tarot card like a tarot deck only drastically different <laughs> so <laughs> in tarot you have a set deck based on on either the writer smith weight or the thoth deck um there's a set number of cards and the cards generally have a set meaning um so for example while the pentacles um, might be called the disc or the coins if you're following along on tarot tuesdays um they're still associated with like the element of earth and finances or the body 
Um, the artwork can be different from deck to deck and each reader might have their own interpretation. Um, some decks might have additional cards or card called our cards by different names, but for the most part, you're dealing with 78 cards. And if you pull um, the, you know, the five of pentacles in one deck, it's the same meaning as if you were to pull that five of pentacles in a different deck. Um, mm -hmm. you know, for the most part, there are always exceptions that prove the rule. Yeah. And there is some, some something to be said about intuitive tarot and like a straight by the book reading of the five of pentacles means one can mean the same thing for each card but you know in the intuitive tradition which we're going to talk more about as it applies to oracle decks you know some people get a feel for the five of pentacles in one deck and think it's vastly different in another deck and yeah i mean there is something to be said for that but yeah overall like it's the same cards like you can buy five different like it's an established thing it's like buying a deck of playing cards and this is um both the Oracle deck and the tarot are a form of cartomancy and you can actually read just plain playing cards if you feel like it. But yeah, it's like the tarot deck is kind of like spiritual playing cards. Each tarot deck you buy, like some decks do have their own additions. Um, like the fountain tarot has the fountain card. Um, I believe the spolia tarot has Zodiac cards in addition to the normal 78 cards. Um, but yeah, they're, pretty much all the same from deck to deck. Whereas the Oracle cards, they are used similarly to tarot. Like, you know, some Oracle cards, they come with a guidebook and they honestly tell you to use some of the same spreads as a tarot spread. But the difference is that like, they don't have the same number of cards. They don't have the same names for their cards. They don't have the same meaning. It's basically like, um, you know, if you know the tarot, getting an Oracle deck is basically like, relearning the tarot all over again and it's just a complete each oracle deck is a completely different set of cards and has a different meeting for each deck and each card so it's like if you have five oracle decks it's like having five different versions of the tarot that and may, not even that because it's that's a that's a weak metaphor because it's like you learn cardamancy for the tarot and then you learn cardamancy for um playing cards and then you learn cardamancy for greeting cards and then you learn cardamancy for business cards like it's like just complete each deck is its own different system yeah and it all has to do um with the creator's intention and so that was when i was researching oracle decks and looking at what i wanted to get the reason i decided to get mine um was because it was by the creator of really my first tarot deck, the deck, a deck I love. I use it for most of my readings. Um, and so I knew, you know, what that creator, where she was coming from and also her artwork. Uh, she uses a specific artist for the cards. And so I, I knew that's what I wanted. Um, but, you know, you might have an Oracle deck that's 20 cards. You might have an Oracle deck that's 150 cards. Um, but they can be used the same way as tarot. So you can do the same spread that you would with a tarot deck. You know, you might do a month ahead pull, a single pull, you know, three card pull, Celtic cross, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can use them much the same way. And I would almost argue that Oracle cards are key for learning intuitive cardamancy because um, like the deck I got, um, it has a guidebook and you are of course okay to just read the guidebook and go by the book. But also, and this is something that Lindsay Mack teaches, you can do that and you can also, you know, especially with tarot because there are a million different books on tarot and a million teachers, which Missa told me about the TikTok idiots who were like, um, tarot is a closed practice. And I'm like, it's, there are, you can't, it, it's not a closed practice if there are, are a thousand books and a thousand teachers. Like, anyway, that's just my rant about how, like, like there are closed practices and you should respect them, but tarot is not a fucking closed practice. And whoever <laughs> tells you that is an idiot. But yeah, so with tarot, you can learn what the guidebook says. You can go by your teachers, but saying, but the point of intuitive tarot is that 
you tap into what that card specifically means to you and like, you know, pull a card every day and you start to notice, okay, every time I pull the six of swords, I have, you know, a big transformative day and I'm not in the same place one day, you know, at the beginning of the day as I am at the end of the day. And that can just mean, you know, that is your specific meaning for the six of swords. And yeah, I did kind of steal that from the traditional meaning because the six of swords is about a journey. Um, but I mean, you can interpret that however you want. And some cards will apply to your life in other ways. But what Lindsay Mack recommends is just like pulling a card every day and just like seeing how it vibes with your day. And that's a way of intuitively learning because you're learning how the card applies to your life specifically and not what the meaning is in the guidebook. And to apply that to Oracle decks, you kind of do the same thing with those where, yeah, there's a guidebook, but also, you know, you kind of have to pull the cards and see what they mean and how they actually apply to your life. So for example, I got, um, Maya Toll's Illustrated Herbiary Oracle deck. And I'm going to be honest with you, I got a couple Oracle decks before this one. I got the um, the Literary oh. Witches Oracle, which is lovely, but I couldn't work with it in a spiritual level because I would like pick up a card and be like, I haven't read any of her work. I feel shitty about myself because I have not read this specific author's work. And it just, when you kind of have that attitude around something that you're supposed to be working with spiritually, it just wasn't really working for me. And so then I got this Oracle deck to just kind of experiment with. And I was like, eh, this isn't really doing it for me. But then I had gotten this illustrated herbiary book. Um, and it, I've mentioned it before in the herbal, in the herbalism episode, but it is much more, I bought it because it had been recommended to me and I thought it was like a actual herbalism book. It turns out that it is just mainly about the spiritual aspects of different herbs. Um, but it actually came with a free Oracle deck and I started working with that. And it turns out that Oracle deck vibed really well with me because I am a plant witch and I like working with plants and I have my own meanings associated with plants. So it was, um, it ended up working really well with me. And so that's an example of like having to intuitively choose your deck. And then there's this other card that I keep pulling Rosemary and it's called Remembrance. And in the guidebook, it's kind of about ancestral work and remembering your past and stuff like that and for me I always pull it when it's like hey but you need to just remember to stick to your routine stick to your self-care make sure that you are doing what you need to do to keep yourself sane and happy and it's just kind of a remembrance more in the way of like self-protection and remembering the routines that you need to kind of maintain a happy baseline so yeah anyway that's my example of how at least for me, I've been working with my Oracle deck and how I'm learning it a bit better. Yeah. And then your Oracle deck has 36 cards, correct? Yes, it has 36 cards, which is a little tiny. Like sometimes I'm just like, it's like, there's the hand shuffle, like where you basically just like shuffle the cards from hand to hand and mix them up that way. And there's like the um, poker shuffle that I do for my tarot cards. And like, sometimes I'm just like, I have to do a a poker shuffle this just feels weird not to do that but it's you know it's only 36 cards so it's not a whole lot to shuffle so yeah, yeah so 36 cards and they each have a an image of an herb on there or a plant and then it says the plant name and then does it also list the kind of the theme or the spiritual guidance for the plant on the card itself yeah like it just has the theme like usually it's just a couple words so like for um Rosemary, it says remembrance on the card, and it's the same image that's in the book. And it also on the bottom lists the page that the plant is on in the guidebook, if, in case you want to open up the guidebook and see what it says in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, that's what it is. Or like Rose, um, the wording on there is crack open, and that card is about like opening your heart and softening yourself, that sort of thing. And yeah, it's, you know, it's a really cool guidebook and I'm in, I'm enjoying working with it. I've been pulling um, one of those cards and a tarot card every day and that's kind of helping me get back into more of my spiritual routine. Yeah. Um, now by contrast, and, and th this is kind of what we were bringing up earlier is that Oracle decks can be anything. So I have mm -hmm. the Modern Goddess Oracle deck by Ethany. It's 65 cards 
49 of them are goddesses from various traditions. Um, and then 14 of them are archetypes. So we have goddesses. Um, I have the deck here somewhere, but I mean, you've got, you know, Freya and Hecate and goddesses that I, I work with. Um, and then some other goddesses that I, you know, I think the spider grandmother is in there. Um, and then it also has archetypes. So maiden mother crone has one that's badass, um, healer, things like that. So there's all kinds of different, um, way different cards again, like than what Katie was talking about, uh, that's specific to what this creator intended. And yes, mm -hmm. I can pull the card. I can read what she wrote about this specific card, but I can also see how it relates to me. So if I'm pulling, um, you know, Freya, I might read what she has to say about Freya, but I work with Freya in my own practice. And so I might see, okay, that means I need to maybe check in with Freya today. Um, you know, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So when we set out to do this Oracle, you know, we wanted to say, okay, yeah, let's do an episode on Oracle decks. We couldn't go into the kind of details that you would with tarot um, because we've already kind of talked about the different spreads that you can do in the tarot episode. And there's no way to go over Oracle like, oh, well, this suit means this or, oh, let's talk about numerology um, because each Oracle deck is so specific to itself. Um, mm -hmm. I even I had my Oracle cards, cards read before this because I like to do that before I try to read something on my own. I ask someone, pay someone um, to do an Oracle reading for me. And I did not vibe with her deck. I felt so bad because I was, you know, I, I mean, I paid her, so it's not the end of the world. But I was like, mm, okay, that's fine. I guess that's what you think that it means. But that card really doesn't mean anything to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it can, you know, and that's part of, like, again, that intuitive practice. And, you know, maybe we need to do an episode on intuition. But, yeah, I mean, tapping in with your intuition is very much a part of witchcraft. And this might be a good practice to help you learn your intuition better. But, yeah, it even goes down to, like, picking the deck and then learning the cards. Those are very intuitive. And it even goes to, like, I went through two decks before I found one that I liked. and But there are, are also some themes, like the uh, literary witches um, deck that I talked about earlier like two thirds of the deck are famous authors, famous female authors. And then the other third are just like, like archetypes like apple or white dress or poison. Like they're archetypes that you can, that mix in with the author cards. And those are much more like, yeah, they're archetypal and they're less concrete. Whereas like if you, you know, if you pull Zora Neale Hurston, like, you know, Zora Neale Hurston, like, yeah. Yeah. So Oracle decks can be anything. Like I said, I waited probably over six months for my deck because I didn't want to get a deck. I didn't think I was going to vibe with, and I knew I would vibe with the one that I got. Like I, I have, I, I've mentioned before that one of the reasons I decided to get into tarot was I saw um, this the tarot cards from Ethany and I knew, you know, that's it. That's what I want. <laughs> and um, so that's how I decided th what Oracle deck to get because I already trusted the creator. I trusted the artist. Um, so I don't have a good way to tell you which Oracle deck to get. Like when we start with Tara, we say, you know, start with the, the Smith weight um, with Oracle. It's going to be up to you and up to your intuition. Yeah. And I feel like that's the point of Oracle decks is that, you know, there is not, you know, there might be a, a weird forum online for people who are very into that Oracle deck to specifically talk about meanings and stuff. But other than that, it's not like, you know, if you Google two of pentacles meaning there will be 50 websites that come up that each have their own well-worded meaning in them. So like you're not going to be able to do that with an Oracle deck, but I feel like that's the point you get off the beaten path. You work with your intuition more, you work with imagery that is not as standardized. Um, but at the same time, you know, we both put, picked Oracle decks that have a theme that really resonates with each of us. Yours was goddesses and archetypes and 
spirits that you already work with and me it was herbs and those two things resonate very heavily with us and we are able to thus use those cards in a practice that we have already established for ourselves yeah that's very true um you know as baby witches if you get a deck because it's pretty or because someone else recommended it to you and you don't end up vibing with it that's okay um you know, your practice will change and grow and that's to be expected and celebrated. You don't want to ever stay stagnant in any kind of belief or practice. Um, you know, your, your guides are there to help you grow. mm -hmm, Exactly. But also it is totally valid if you just get an Oracle deck because it's pretty, I mean, as long as it is serving you spiritually, it is a hundred percent. Okay. Just to get something because you think it's pretty. So, Oh yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean, that's how I pick mine. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, so... so that's, you know, pretty much everything we had to say about Oracle decks. Um, if you have additional questions, again, feel free to DM us or, or email us. Um, but we did also want to, again, go over some other divination. Katie has been studying runes for quite a while now. And I am actually really excited to hear what she has to say because I know nothing about runes. Yeah. So, you know, the more I'm learning about runes, they are really complicated because just on a practical level, they were the writing system invented for the Germanic world. So when I say Germanic, I mean, you know, Germany, um, Netherlands, the Saxons who invaded England eventually after the Roman Empire collapsed, uh, Scandinavia. So this was the writing system for that part of the world. However, because you know, most people were illiterate. It was the upper echelons of society and specifically the priestly caste who were the only ones who knew how to write. So because this writing system was reserved for so few people, it gained magical experience, like magical significance. And like each rune has magical meaning associated with associated with it. And like there's such a thing as intoning the runes, which is just uh, saying the sound of the rune and bringing the power of that rune into your body. And there's bind runes, which is where you combine runes in order to combine their power or like maybe by combining this one and that one, it takes on a whole new meaning and it serves you magically. So yes, we're going to talk about them as a divination system because people like... I've heard one-off podcast episodes where they do divination and they just like casually throw some runes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we may need to just do an entire episode on runes cause they are very complex. Um, we also, after our uh, non-appropriation episode, we did have someone write in angry at us for basically saying that because, because of colonialism, European cultural traditions are pretty much open traditions which I still stand by because it's kind of ridiculous to say that people can't work with uh, Thor when he's a friggin Marvel superhero um, but there is something to be said for it being a closed system and the runes are very powerful you do also want to keep in mind that um, runes have been uh, appropriated by white supremacists. And so, you know, I've heard stories of, you know, well-meaning witches getting rune tattoos and then white supremacists coming up and greeting them like they're their best friends. So that is a thing. So, yeah, I would say the runes should be handled with seriousness, especially because, like, I'm still working with them very gently because they seem to have a lot of power associated with them and I'm still trying to sort that out but um yeah I and anyway that person who wrote in and was angry about us just saying European traditions are open because because of colonialism and because um you know basically the idea there if you are unfamiliar with it is that uh because of colonialism European ideas have basically been integrated into all facets of the world and because of globalism and colonialism. Um, and so I would say if you're a person of color, you are more than welcome to work with European traditions. Um, but this person did have a good point that I've been thinking about that 
If you want to work with the ruins seriously, you should read the um, prose and poetic eddas, um, which are the one of one of the last remaining written records that we have of rune lore and Scandinavian mythology. Um, you should start with the prose and then move on to the poetic eddas. But yeah, if you want to work with them seriously and not just in a superficial way, that is recommended not just by the semi-crappy person who is mad at us, but um, yeah, they do have a point. We don't want to encourage spiritual bypassing here and we don't, you know, you do want to try to be as respectful as possible to whatever um, spiritual system you're working with. Um, yeah. That being yeah. said, when white people get angry that people are stealing their stuff, it's very hard for us to feel sorry for them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this person's point was that like they were mad because they, you know, the Christians had stolen their culture. And I was like, yes, that is a theme for all pagan cultures is that Christianity has stolen your traditions. But the difference is that like, like with Voodoo, white people specifically went in and took their traditions away from African people. And now white people are coming back and appropriating it, which is all kinds of fucked up. Whereas like in Scandinavia, the shift away from paganism was endemic to the culture. Like the Scandinavian people did it within themselves. And it wasn't necessarily like Africans coming and taking away their pagan culture in the same way that white people have done to Africans. So yeah. yeah. And that's the, I think biggest uh, difference and most important thing to remember when talking about appropriation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But yeah, either way, you know, that person did have one good point I want to acknowledge is that you should not spiritually bypass. So yeah, just do your work, especially with runes. Like they seem to have, because, you know, these are basically letters, but it's like if the letter A was associated with, you know, wealth and prosperity and writing it on an object was considered to imbue that object with wealth and prosperity. But there were also like letter L was associated with hardship and like, you could just be fucking around and accidentally curse yourself. Like don't, yeah, don't uh, take this stuff seriously. Don't, uh, don't mess around with it. Anyway, that was a long way of me saying, we're going to talk about, um, runes specifically as a divination form in this episode, but I almost feel like we should just do an entire episode on runes in the future. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So there is, so going back to divination, um, there are, we know that the Germanic peoples did use runes for divination. Um, there is actually a record from Roman historians of witches, well, I think of them as witches. They were probably just priestesses, but um, these women in Germanic tribes during uh, Rome's campaign to conquer the tribes um, doing runic divination. And the description of that is that um, they would sit down with wood, um, like just wood squares, and they would carve out a whole rune set, which um, let's see, eight times three. So it's 24 runes in the Elder Futhark, which is the older um, version of the runes. There are newer versions of the runes and there's like an Anglo-Saxon Anglo version of the runes. But most people, when they work with divination, they work specifically with the Elder Futhark. Um, so in this Roman description, the women carved out these runes and then they tossed them on a white, white cloth and they picked up three and then, then they handed them off to a male priest and the male priest interpreted them. Um, so yeah, it's actually kind of cool. If, and I do re always recommend reading historical records of that sort of thing if you're interested in it, because it's always better to go back and read the firsthand account rather than, you know, reading a book about the firsthand account. Um, but yeah, that is the historical record of the Germanic peoples doing divination with runes. And so um, there are some handbooks uh, about runes. Most of the ones I have read, they don't really recommend throwing runes. They more recommend almost using runes in the same way you would use tarot or oracle cards. Where like, pick up three runes and one is past, present, future. And that is your rune interpretation. But um, I did take a course or take a class um, with Emily Joy Walker. And she did 
it was like an introduction to runes course where we basically went through all 24 runes and she gave us an intensive explanation of each one. And she did briefly mention like throwing runes or like, oh, when you throw runes and this one is next to that one, that's what this means. Um, but I was like, okay, great. And then I waited for her to, because she mentioned she was going to try to have a class on throwing runes, but then I think she had a baby because she was like seven months pregnant when she had this course. And I think she had the baby and then the baby took away her ability to have more courses. Um, but so I've been trying to find that in guidebooks and most of the guidebooks I found are about, yeah, doing that thing, just pull one, two, three, and that's your past, present, future. And that's also what you do for tarot cards. And it seems not um, indigenous to the original tradition. So Overall, my searching, the only guidebook I found on how to throw runes is Runes and Rune Magic by Edred Thorson. Um, and I tried his method in there, and I actually think it works. I think in our notes I wrote that I was a little skeptical about it, but when I did my field testing of it in preparation of this episode, I did try it with the grid he recommended, which he basically does this uh, world tree grid where there's nine sections that each represent a different part of the world tree. And depending on where you throw your runes, um, where they land represents a different sphere of your life or sphere of influence. And I actually like that. I did try it without the grid and you can kind of get meaning from it, but I just didn't find the same depth as meaning as I, as I found with his grid. So I would very much recommend that book. I do want to say the book is very heady and esoteric and I'm not entirely certain that I agree with it because he's very into the world tree and very into the spiritual aspects of the world tree and talks about that at length. Um, but that I do right at my alley. <laughs> yeah. I know you really like the world tree, Missa. So I think you would really like that book, but yeah. So that's the only book I found that has instructions on how to throw runes, but I do kind of think like, even based on that, I do think that this is like something you have to do regularly and often in order to get an intuitive feel for it, or you have to learn it from a teacher. So this might be kind of a closed system. There is also this point where a lot of modern uh, Germanic practices are basically people trying to recreate something that was described in a ancient Roman text from 2000 years ago. So like there aren't great instructions there and it could just be that everybody has their own method. It could be that you do need a teacher and if you don't get a teacher, you're never going to learn like the proper method, but yeah. Anyway, I will say uh, famously as far as uh, rune throwing is concerned, uh, the Jinx and Dela holiday special. Um, so that's Jinx Monsoon, famous drag queen slash witch, and um, Vendela Creme had a holiday special come out in 2020 on Hulu. And at the beginning, Jinx throws runes. And I was like, Katie, Katie, you have to watch this right now. <laughs> Jinx has runes. <laughs> I do like it. Uh, Jinx sings about Hecate and they get very drunk on eggnog. It's lovely. Um, I think I watched it like two or three times. It it was the only thing that got me through 2020 Christmas. Yeah, it was pretty great. That and that song, Fuck 2020, that came out. I had that on my like list I was playing all the time at that point <laughs> in my life. Um, but yeah, so that's a great book. So basically, I'm just going to walk you through it. So you need to first obtain a set of rune discs. And, um, you know, you can make your own by just getting little like twig cutouts or even just like finding a twig and using a saw if you work with wood at all to create little discs and then you can carve the runes onto those discs I do not have that ability so I bought a set of antler discs so these are like antlers cut into discs um, with the runes carved on them you can also like I know ritual craft sells um, gemstones or crystals or gemstones with uh, runes carved into them so you can get all sorts of runes, um, but you just need a set of runes. And so then you have a white cloth and then you put your runes in a cup, mix them up and then turn the cup over and throw the runes on the cloth basically. And depending on how they land, like if you use uh, Thorson's grid, you know, each portion represents a different part of the world tree and depending on where they land, it can, it, each rune has different significance. But even if you're throwing it on a white cloth, um, you know, 
most some of the runes will be upright in the run-throughs I did most of the runes were face down um so in my understanding the runes that are face down aren't in play I know there is some interpretation that they're face down um they're just aspects that don't want to reveal themselves yet I'm I'm just mentioning that there I don't have enough real real practice to know if that's accurate um but yeah, whether they're upright or down has significance. And then which runes are next to each other or which runes are on top of each other or which runes are in close proximity to each other also have meaning. Cause like, you know, if you have a good luck rune next to like a rune associated with um, new beginnings, it can mean like you're going to have a new beginning. Or if you have like a rune associated with hardship next to a rune that represents like trying to have kids and they, they're next to each other, you can maybe understand that you might have some issues getting pregnant or getting an adoption or whatever you're doing to have kids, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like a, tar- it's like a tarot system, but more intense. It's like if the, uh, it's like if, you know, the pentacles were associated with a set god and just invoking a single pentacle or like getting a tattoo that could like imbue you with the magic associated with that specific card. And it's, I would not recommend, if you want to learn them, great, but don't play around with them. So, and I'm, we're just jumping out of order. We have a nice little outline, but we're bouncing around. Um, the next one that I want to talk about is Tassiomancy or Tassiography. Um, which is reading tea leaves, um, as seen on Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> I really loved Harry Potter until you know you know what. So, um, but so tassiomancy is the reading of loose tea leaves. So, generally, what you would do is add loose tea leaves to boiling water. Um, so, no strainer or infuser, just leaves straight in the water. Um, think about your question as the tea cools and as you drink the tea. And then you leave a little bit amount of tea in the bottom, swirl around the leaves and then a cup, and then um, turn the cup upside down into the saucer to drain the remaining liquid. And then the shapes that are left by the leaves um, are what you use to divine your, your answers or your predictions. So most people would recommend using a, like a black tea to start out with. I bought four ounces of Ruibos tea because I was going to do this. And then it didn't even occur to me that one, four ounces of tea is quite a bit. Um, and also that Ruibos is like teeny tiny and just impossible to like drink with a teaspoon or a tablespoon of Ruibos tea in your teacup. Like just it's everywhere. Um, so I haven't been great at this. Strain it through your teeth. Like just sip it through <laughs> your teeth. That's what herbalists do. Yeah. So, um, bigger tea leaves, I would recommend, um, I did get some decaf black tea and like hibiscus. I have some like fat hibiscus leaves that I might try it with. So different shapes are associated with specific meanings. Um, similar to, you know, like what Katie was talking about with runes, you know, each rune is kind of specific to its own meaning. Same with tarot, you know, the ace of wands has a specific meaning. Um, but you could really see anything when you're looking into a teacup. I don't have a specific book or anything to recommend just because there's so many, so much information out there. I don't want to recommend something and have you be thinking that that is the, the one that you need to read. I just would look it up on Instagram, Pinterest, whatever. And then where the kind of clump of tea leaves ends up in the cup also relates to what the meaning is though, like Katie was talking about with the grid. Um, and that's why I wanted to bring this up next. So there is kind of a grid. And again, depending on the teacher or the book that you're reading, it might have a different meaning. And so it really might be more intuitive for you to decide, okay, well, last time I saw this reading, this is what it meant. So a star might mean good fortune. And then if it's close to the rim, it might have something to do with the past. Or if it's close to the center, it might be the immediate present or the immediate future. And then if it's near the handle, a lot of people say that that's has to do more with the self or home. Um, so again, where it is on the cup and then the shape, kind of doing a Rorschach test there. Um, and then depending on, again, the book you're reading, 
or who your teacher is, um, there might be different like specific steps they take. Like one I read, and this is why I actually didn't want to get too specific into this because there's a lot of different ways that you could do it. You know, it says you must swirl it three times. You must do it, you know, clockwise or counterclockwise. Um, when you tip it over, you have to have the handle facing north, you know, different things like that. So I would recommend maybe starting one way, seeing what works best for you. Um, but that's a, a really cool one, again, to kind of tap into your intuition. You know, you can say it's not your intuition, but you're looking at shapes in a cup. You have to trust your own instincts on that one. It's not going to be a clearly defined uh, grim. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so... Tassia Mancy is a, a cool one, especially, you know, to do with friends. I, if you want to drink a lot of tea, if you want an excuse to buy a lot of tea leaves, um, there you go. That was my excuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. And I haven't really worked with uh, Tassia Mancy. It, it does sound very interesting. It is very witchy. Um, I know that's something where if you go to New Orleans, there's a lot of places that offer tea leaf readings. So that could be a cool thing to do um, if you're in the area, if you see that. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of cool. It's kind of a traditional thing, and it is kind of a another witchy tea tradition. You know how we love our tea. Yeah, um, one thing I will recommend, um, you have to use loose leaf tea. Don't try to cut open a bag of tea because they make those so fine. Um, it's, again, going to be kind of like if you were to use Ruibos. It's just going to get everywhere. Yeah, that's very good advice. Um, okay, so I think the next one that we kind of had a lot to talk about um, was one that Katie had wanted to discuss. Um, that's not going to be my thing because I don't like birds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we had a segment about this that we cut out of an episode about how you're terrified of birds <laughs> and there's like a chicken herd in your town that you live in. Um, yeah, anyway. My town is overrun with chickens. Oh, no. Well, just eat one. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So, orthonomancy is the art of watching birds for, for divinatory purposes. Um, it's very prevalent in European traditions. Like, there are several historical accounts of, um, like, Roman emperors using orthonomancy. So, I think the most famous one is Constantine, the emperor who brought Christianity to the Roman Empire. He... Um, saw I think it was five eagles on a hill during a battle and he took that uh, and they were in the shape of a cross and he took that as a sign of victory and that if he won that battle he needed to convert the empire to Christianity so unfortunately Christianity is a thing in Europe because of orthonomancy but we're going to brush past that um, but it was also very prevalent in you know Celtic folklore and Germanic folklore. I'm certain that it's probably prevalent in other traditions. These are just the ones I'm familiar with. Um, so I first connected it to witchcraft when I read this fiction book, Hild by Nicola Griffith. Um, it's about this kind of pagan life, early life of the person, and it's fictional, but the fictional pagan early life of the young woman who would grow up to become uh, St. Hildegard in England. Um, and it's interesting because she like is clearly very spiritual and she's the high king's niece and she becomes kind of his seer. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, is this, is this actual spiritual and is, or is she just getting lucky? That sort of thing. But, you know, orthonomancy plays heavily in that book and that's, you know, it takes place from the perspective of an Anglo-Saxon settlement in England and I was so I was kind of like well you know maybe this is a thing that I could look into for witchcraft I think I read that at the beginning I am going to give a preface to that book if it sounds interesting to you it has a very strange ending it's a lovely book the ending is very strange and that's all I'm going to put it at um but yeah so I heard about it and first connected to witchcraft through that book and then um I started seeing like flocks of 40 plus crows everywhere. Like, and this was over a span of six months and it like 
wasn't just in my neighborhood. This was like, I would go up to the mountains and all of a sudden there would be like a flock of 50 crows. So I started to be like, well, why the fuck is this happening? And it turned out, and I've talked about this before, that I believe it was the goddess Morgan trying to get my attention and get me to start working with her. And it worked. And, you know, I have since decided that the Morgan is my painter goddess and I work with her very intimately. And yeah, so that's how I got started with orthonomancy. And then um, I took a class to learn about it in a more um, methodical way. And there is actually a method to it because there is kind of a you know, you see a bird carrying a fish and that's supposed to be a sign of good luck. And if you just see that throughout your day, you can be like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Or like, if you just see little birds twitting around and there's also certain numbers of birds have different meaning. Um, But yeah, it's kind of, there are those little things like that, but there is also a uniform way where, you know, you decide you're going to sit for 20 minutes in this spot. And between these two trees, you're going to watch the birds and see what they do. And you can ask like yes or no questions to kind of calibrate what it is. But, um, you know, odd numbers of birds are considered to be a no, even is considered to be a yes. Um, Birds flying north to south or west to east are considered to be a yes. Birds flying south to north or east to west are considered to be a no. Um, So, yeah, there is like a set um, method to orthonomancy I personally like the more method of like it's a way for me to connect to connect to my spirituality in my everyday life because I can just be like you know walk into my car and I see a crow and I'm like ah the Morrigan wants me to check in and you know connect her spiritually or I could be walking around or like the other day I was walking my dog and I saw a hawk swoop into a tree to try to get a squirrel or something and it left empty-handed and I was like I don't know what the fuck that means. Maybe I'm going to miss Ginger. Maybe something's going to get out of my hands. I don't know what that means, but it's disconcerting that I've seen it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can interpret that. And it's also a bit intuitive. Like you can start to figure out what birds mean in your own life. But yeah, it's uh, just kind of for me, I like it because it is just a day to day thing that isn't formal and is Um, more of a folklore and a form of folk magic that I can just do without much ceremony. Um, But yeah, and it is also a very traditional European form of divination if uh, you're interested in that sort of thing. So yeah. So Katie, what is the meaning when like 40 chickens chase you through a Starbucks parking lot into a stranger's car? You need to eat more fried chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Really y'all my town is we have a huge wild chicken population. It is the pride of the town for some reason. Um, people feed these chickens. And in the grocery store parking lot, there's a little pizza place. And they have a type of pizza that is called not parking lot chicken pizza. Because oh, they wow. want you to know that the chicken on their pizza is not the wild chickens from the parking lot. I mean, I wouldn't blame them. It would cut down on their operating costs. But okay. Um I did buy some frozen chicken from that grocery store the other day, though. And as I walked through the parking lot, I was, like, shaking it at the the chickens. And I was like, this is your cousin. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. From a divination perspective, I I mean, there is, like, a fine line between, like, (laughs) this is spiritual. And then, like, if you just have wild chickens that roam your town, like, that's different. Yeah. Yeah, they they really do roam my town. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, did I lose you again? Oh, I think I lost you again. Oh, no. Do we want to? You're back. Oh, I'm back? I'm back. Okay. I don't know what is going on with this because, like, my phone is just, like, not in the lock screen, not doing anything. I don't know why I'm still recording with you, but I still am. And then occasionally it's just, like, I'm going to stop working so well we i think we're almost done here so let's just bust it out yeah so the next is pendulum so it this is a super well-known baby witch form of divination it's you know it's very simple it's just a crystal on a chain that you hold in your hand usually you just like balance it like 
like the ones I have have like a bead at the end of the string and you just put that between your fingers and that way you can like hold it and hover it above a surface. Um, but yeah, it's just like a crystal on a chain. And if it spins one way, it means yes to a yes or no question. And if it spins the other way, it's answering no. And there's not like big mystical ways that you can interpret it. It's you only ask it yes or no questions and you need to calibrate it by answering, by asking it questions you already know the answer to. So you can figure out what means yes or no for your specific pendulum. And I don't know, I have a couple and I think it could be a cool thing when you just like need a quick answer on something or like, if you're really anxious about something, you just need some quick reassurance. But like, I don't know, it's something that I can't help being skeptical about because it's like, this is just my hand vibrating this way. And like, maybe I'm subconsciously making it go clockwise or counterclockwise. I don't really know. So well, I don't know. It's, your guides are making it do that, Katie. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But yeah, I mean, I have them. I wanted to mention them because they're a very famous form of divination and we would be remiss not to mention it. But like, I have a couple and like I said, they're fun kind of if you just want a quick like, this is driving me crazy and I just need to do this real quick to kind of vent some of my energy surrounding this. But I know it's not my favorite form of divination. So. Yeah, but it's, I mean, an easy place to start out, you know, not necessarily spending a bunch of money on a tarot deck or an oracle deck. Um, if you just kind of want to start getting in touch with your guides, um, just starting and asking yes or no questions might be a, a great way to start out doing that. Yeah, exactly. And like, again, it's just a single crystal on a string. You can maybe even make your own if you could figure out a way to do that. Um, but if you are familiar with the OG charmed, um, they use a pendulum crystal, uh, to scry with, which is something different entirely, but you know, they, it was the nineties. They didn't have real witches working on the show probably. Um, but that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Like when we're talking about a pendulum is the long crystal on a string or a chain, something like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Have you worked with a pendulum at all or not really? I have one. It came in that subscription kit. Um, I think I probably used it a couple of times when I first got it, but yeah, it's not ever something that I've, I guess I don't have a lot of just yes or no questions I need to ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is the thing is like, it's just yes or no questions. And most of like, my questions are kind of like, well, I feel like this is more complex than yes or no. I need you to give me more than just that. Um, but yeah. 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 I think that's why I haven't really worked with it too much. Maybe I'll dig it out. And I, I think that's my other issue is I always find it and then I'm like, oh, right. I forgot. I forgot I had this pendulum. And then I put it away somewhere and I never remember where I've put it. Oh, yeah, that can be hard. Yeah. Reorganizing stuff. So maybe one day I'll find all my stuff. So we have one more that we kind of wanted to go over. Um, Well, a couple more, but um, I think you wanted to talk about Bibliomancy. I'm assuming that was you that put it on the outline and it was not me and then forgetting about it (laughs) yeah no you're correct so bibliomancy is super simple um it's just like opening like you have a question and then you open a book at random and it can be whatever passage and whatever passage your finger lands on is the answer to your question so you know this is historically done a lot with the bible that's not my vibe so you could do it with like the complete works of Shakespeare with the Mahabharata 50 shades of gray like literally any book like just ask a question, open your, open it up, point your finger at it. That's your answer. So I think that's a pretty cool form of divination. I haven't done it a whole lot, but I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting and could be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, especially cause I have a million books lying around all the time, um, which is why I didn't mm-hmm. get any books on reading tea leaves. I really meant to. And then I have so many books that I haven't read, like especially occult books, and I couldn't bring myself to buy anymore. So maybe one day. (laughs) Maybe Um, one day. And I mean, that, so, I mean, that's kind of everything that we wanted to cover in this episode. There's so much more that we could talk about. Um, We didn't even really bring up like palmistry, reading palms. That's not something I'm familiar with. I've never done it. It's one I'm a little bit more skeptical about. I don't know why. 
Um, it just seems a little bit too woo for me, but there are yeah. certainly professional palm readers out there. Yeah. And I mean, I used to do it for fun when I was a teenager, just like reading people's palms. And I used to know a lot more about it um, than I've forgotten a lot of it. But like the one thing for me is that it's like your dominant hand or your non-dominant hand. And the argument is that you should always read the non-dominant hand. But personally, that doesn't resonate for me because like your non-dominant hand is kind of your fate because you like you don't have kind of the use lines that your dominant hand has. But to me, I almost think reading your dominant hand is better because it's like what you were fated to do versus what the future you have shaped for yourself, that sort of thing. But yeah, palmistry is super interesting and there are a ton of books and I know very basic, like, you know, your top line is your um, love line, the mini line, the middle line is your, oh gosh. So your life line is the curved one on the bottom near your thumb your love line is the top one that goes between like your index and middle finger all the way to the edge of your um, hand. And then the one in the middle, I believe is your prosperity line or your wealth line. Um, and depending on how many segments are in those lines, like I have a really choppy love line and I was told by people growing up, Oh, that means you're going to not get married until you're older. And I was very deeply upset about that when I was a child and, now I'm 31 and unmarried and it's kind of like, well, fuck you. You were right, but it's still not okay. Um, and then, but yeah, so it's just little stuff like that. Or like I have a very deep lifeline. And so that is considered to be fortuitous. It means I'm going to have a long life. Um, but there's also little things like the, you know, in a folklore, the uh, lines crossing around your pinky are supposed to tell um, how many children you're supposed to have or like the number of lines in between like your bottom knuckle of your pinky and your love line are supposed to tell how many kids you're supposed to have that sort of thing like it's just like little stuff and this are this is lore I picked up as like a you know how you know with mash and all that how middle school girls are with that sort of thing so yeah I can't believe you remember any of that I have a near eidetic memory. So this is how my brain works. Um, things enter it and they don't leave. And it makes me a little scattered, but I can tell you weird facts off the top of my head about palmistry. She can um, also stay up until uh, 5 a.m. writing a paper and not studying for a test and get a better grade on the test than I did. I'm so bitter yeah. about most of college. <laughs> I'm deeply sorry. My brain is just strained. Um, so yeah, that's palmistry. But yeah, there's all sorts of stuff there and there is much deeper lore than what I just went over but yeah it's a uh, there's a lot of information that you can get and you know if you dive into it more there's a lot you can learn so yeah yeah okay well we've talked for a while I'm actually impressed that we kept the episode relatively short um mm -hmm. Because we have a tendency to be like, oh, we're going to do a 45-minute episode. And then it turns into two 45-minute episodes. So way to go us. We covered a lot of information. Yeah, we did. And I feel like this is kind of a good intro to different forms of divination. Like you could start off on any of the instructions we just gave and go a lot deeper. And yeah, it could be good. Yeah. Uh, again, if you have Q&A, you know, if you have cues that you'd yeah. like aid, um, shout yeah. out to hit us up dm us instagram twitter um or send us an email we'll get them um mm -hmm. i think we're gonna try to do that episode probably in august so get your episode get your questions in by the beginning of august um yeah and again these episodes are coming out a little late right now we do have an episode lined up for june so be on the lookout for that i don't know exactly when it's going to be recorded um, but I'm hoping that it's up by, uh, by pride weekend in San Francisco, which will also be the weekend that Katie and I will be reunited in person. <laughs> yes. It's super exciting. We are both fully vaccinated. So I bought a plane ticket to go visit Nissa and a couple of our other best friends. And it's going to be glorious because I haven't seen your face in two years. Um, so Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I don't think we're going to record an episode just because we talked about the logistics of that. And I don't know, maybe if 
we want to be weird and be in two different rooms of our mutual friend's house and recording on phones. We can maybe record a mini soda or something, but I don't, I don't think that we're going to record anything in person while we're together. Um, yeah. But that's just, that's just for your little um, happy knowledge listeners is knowing that yeah. we're going to be in the first, in the same state, in the same place for the first time since we decided to start this podcast two years ago. Yeah. It's very strange. Actually, I didn't think it would be like two years. Like that is a weird way to put it that we have not seen each other since we started recording this podcast. That is yeah. deep. Um, but Yeah. No, so yeah, we're going to see each other, but yeah, seriously, guys or folks, send us your questions. We want to answer them on the podcast in August, and we would, we love, 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 love to hear from you. I know that like we haven't been as responsive. We both have a lot going on in our lives, but I don't know, at least for me, I'm getting to a point with my dog where she is not as needy and does not like need 100% of my attention all the time, and we're working on a balance and Missa has things that are far more important than a new dog to worry about. So I'm just Missa yeah, can take as I, much time as she needs in the world. So, yeah. I'm, I'm at the will of, uh, <laughs> of someone oh. else's health right now. So, um, hopefully things start getting better soon, but it's impossible to know. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to try to get these episodes out more often for you. Try to be more active on social media. Um, you know, we know that we've kind of, I don't want to say we've been slacking, but we've been lacking. Um, but we still record these because we, and we do it for you because we could just talk on the phone to ourselves, but we don't, we share it with all of you. Um, and special shout out to one of our friends who is our real life friend and has started listening to this podcast. Who knows when she'll get to this episode. Cause this is, you know, two years in, um, but has been listening to it in the car and keeps trying to talk back to us on the podcast. Yes. So, if you're yes. hearing this, hello. <laughs> hello. And we love you dearly. And yes, we can totally hear you. Just keep saying what you're saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You are a hundred percent right. And we agree with you. So, Oh God, we have that on recording. Now we are going to be blackmailed for stuff. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's everything. Yeah. And again, um, Q&A's, Q&A episode in August. We are like two and a half months away. Send us stuff. I really don't want to have to like guilt my friends and family into sending in questions so we can pretend like they're not our friends and family on the podcast. But we will. We're going to make this work whether or not you guys cooperate. But we would much rather hear from you than guilting our friends and family. So Send in your questions. Um, email is babywitchpod at gmail.com. Uh, DM us on Instagram and Twitter at babywitchpod. And we love you lots. Yeah. All right. Well, we will talk to you next month on the next Magical Monday. Bye.